Hey everyone, how are we doing this week? It's Jawad with Hit the Apex Podcast. Thank you for tuning in as always and hope you guys are doing well. Hope you guys are doing well. Whatever exciting things are going on in your life at the moment or, you know, maybe not so exciting. As long as you're all safe and um, doing alright, that's the main thing. Kind of feels like uh, we've been thrown back into winter here, <laughs> especially after the weekend where got given a taste of summer. Um, I know I've been bang- banging on about global warming and stuff the last few episodes, but it it this is what it feels like. You know, you have a really good weekend where it feels like summer. You're wearing shorts, you're wearing singlets, and then um, all of a sudden we're all rugged up again, wearing beanies and scarves during the week. It's absolutely miserable out there. But hey, say la vie. <laughs> Such is life. And yeah, it was a nice weekend, and I was kind of glad that there was no racing on either. So you just was able to enjoy it um, responsibly, of course, at the moment with lockdown still enforced here in Melbourne. Um, just hung out in the yard and whatnot here at home. Didn't um, wasn't one of those muppets who ended up at St Kilda Beach. That's for sure. <laughs> or Chadston Shopping Centre, as a matter of fact. I'm sure, you know, those who are uh, living here in Melbourne or follow the news, as I know a couple of people do outside of um, Victoria and even outside of Australia, surprisingly, as well. Um, you'll know what I'm talking about. But uh, anyway, it didn't really slow down the fact that uh, we had some big news as well, F1-related over the weekend, which I'm going to get into straight away. It's actually mainly going to be an f one podcast I know that sounds weird given that you know that's what I'm supposed to focus on but you know I've kind of got into making supercars like a a permanent fixture as well MotoGP will get mentioned every now and again you know I kind of have gone back from I, I started branching out and started talking other sports and stuff and it was kind of at its peak earlier in the year when um when we had all the COVID breaks and everything but um given how busy it's been the last, you know, let's say quarter, if you want to talk financial year terms, um, it's just been hard to talk about everything, and I don't want to overload, um, I don't want to overload stuff, I don't want to just ramble, I know I can ramble most of the time, but I don't want to um, just yeah (laughs) ramble basically here we are rambling again but um yeah we'll keep it on f1 this week there's a lot of issues some things that have got my mind as well that i think it's the right time to to talk about as well it's prevalent with um the current climate current situation and of course we've got a grand prix on this weekend um hard to remember because we had so many races back to back to back triple headers and all that and now it's kind of a bit more comfortably spaced out for you know not only viewers but more importantly teams and drivers and crews and everything we've got to do the traveling week in and week out so be good for them to have it a bit more spaced out and yeah we're at the Nürburgring this weekend so some good memories which I'm going to bring up a bit later on but let's get straight to the top and Honda, 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 Honda to leave F1 at the end of 2021. So would have come as a shock to many um, when that announcement was made. You know, when you kind of retrospectively look at it, maybe not as much of a shock that we have lost a manufacturer moving on. Um, 
I kind of had it in the back of my mind that someone like a Honda or a Renault may fall afoul of uh, the financial crisis that everyone's going through at the moment thanks to the pandemic. Um, and Renault quickly moved to commit themselves uh, before the season started in Austria and we got the news that they're going to rebrand themselves as Alpine as well for, for next year. So kind of takes pressure off the um, the Renault name, but having another brand there in place. But Honda leaving altogether, I think, is huge. Bad news either way you look at it for, for F1 side of thing. You know, Honda, their reasons, they're pretty much cited that, yeah, they're... They want to switch their focus over to um, electric vehicles and fuel cell technology as well, which um, their CEO said that it's we're going through a once in a hundred years period of great transformation. And it is, you kind of feel like we are at the crossroads of automotive um, technology, the industry, um, and just everything around that at the moment because you have all these people coming out and saying, yeah, we want to be carbon neutral by a particular year. We, you have governments saying that they want to outlaw petrol vehicles in um, mass populated areas in a certain time, like within a certain time period as well. So you've got to basically start sowing the seeds now for what the future is going to look like and for Honda um, it's a big decision to move away from Formula 1 and either way you look at it as well for their time in Formula 1 this most recent spell since 2015 it hasn't been a great one it's been quite miserable you could say and yes you know they've won races with Red Bull they've been on the podium also the win with um, Gasly earlier this year Alpha Tauri but it's been largely an unsuccessful period for them. You know, you can't get past the failures with McLaren those first three years. It's been a very costly tenure as well. But you've got to admire their persistence, um, that they continued no matter what. You know, even though it was as much troubles on the McLaren side as it was the Honda side, probably more so on the McLaren side back then. And then... With Red Bull, you know, they've uh, accumulated five wins altogether, obviously, between Red Bull and AlphaTauri. Uh, when AlphaTauri Torosso took on the power in 2018, but they've not had a car, or Honda have not put their engine into a car that's been title worthy, I guess, as well. And either way you look at it, I've said that a couple of times already, but for a manufacturer, if you want to come into F1 and you're going to spend all this money, I guess the end game for them is to go for gold and that's win the world championship, win a constructors world championship, which Red Bull haven't done the last few years. McLaren obviously couldn't do with Honda Power. Not that it was Honda Power's fault at the moment. I think, you know, Honda, they're on a good level. They're more reliable than the Renault, um, more powerful than Ferrari even. But just that extra step that they need to take and this year the deficits have been on the Red Bull side so there's been opportunities for them with Red Bull but it's just not come together unfortunately so yes you've got the wins you've got the podiums Max Verstappen has been sensational Honda have got the stat as well as being the only manufacturer who's won races in the hybrid era with two different teams yeah between AlphaTauri and Red Bull but they're going to leave 
having not achieved the, the pinnacle, and that's winning the world championship. So it's a bit disappointing in that respect, or quite disappointing, I should say. And you can't look past the McLaren troubles as well um, for three years that they had there. Fernando Alonso calling it a GP2 engine basically didn't do well for their reputation. But I guess it's time for them, you know, they've chosen the time to move on focus on other things like they've committed themselves to IndyCar as of as have Chevrolet too so that's good in that respect that Honda's still going to remain um uh remain in motorsport and you know commit themselves to other projects I wouldn't be surprised if you know they take this opportunity to announce that they're going to do a Formula E project as well if they're going to focus on selling electric vehicles in their um range so you know formula e definitely could be something that they look at um not next year but perhaps the year after uh but either way you look at it it's yeah it's just bad news for f1 it's bad news for red bull losing a manufacturer what happens to red bull now that's going to be the big talking point or has been the big talking point already in the last week since we got this news and ultimately both Red Bull and AlphaTauri are locked into the sport to 2025. They've signed the Concord Agreement. Um, but who's going to be in the back or who's going to power them for this time period, especially coming up to the new engine regs in 2026? So as it stands, if no one can be found to supply them, then the FIA will have to hold the manufacturer with the least amount of customers uh, to account to, you know, they'll be obligated to supply. So that'll be Renault in this instance because next year they will lose McLaren, who will go over to Mercedes-Benz, and Renault will only have themselves to power. So by 2022, when we get the new technical regulations, the new aero package and everything, um, it's going to really be interesting who's going to be back in the back of the... Um, Red Bull car and the Alpha Tauri car as well and Red Bull a team you would think want to challenge for the world championship they want to be winning races and an overhaul in technical regulations probably the best opportunity for them like any other team to dethrone Mercedes but this kind of throws a spanner into the works uh the fact that they don't have any engine at the moment in the back of their car so how that affects their development, because I'm sure they'd be working on the 22 chassis at the moment, will be interesting. Um, what are the options, though, if, you know, Renault don't want to? Like, Renault have said that, yeah, they will if they have to, or they'd be happy to, considering they had the messy divorce a while ago. I think more so the salt was uh, on the Red Bull side. They weren't happy with it. Max Verstappen not happy as well with it. Um, and Verstappen is another interesting point too, I'll get to shortly, but as far as what are Red Bull's options are, well, it's going to be too costly for them to develop a power unit in-house, even if they use Honda IP, which I don't think Honda want, they want to keep their IP, they want to keep their resources that they've uh, created for this F1 project to work on the EV side of things and the um, fuel cell technology too, they've, you know, used this as a training ground for engineers young engineers and everything and this is why you know it was such a struggle with mclaren because they had so many young um rookie engineers essentially but you know honda have accomplished what they wanted to in training these young 
people into the engineers of tomorrow and this is where they're going to use a platform take it forward with electric vehicles with the fuel cell technology and as i said earlier even if they had even if red bull had honda ip on hand it would just still cost so much to develop themselves and give Given that we're heading into this cost cap era for the sport, I don't think Red Bull will want to be, as an organisation, be forking out extra millions of dollars to develop an in-house power unit. So, really, the options are quite thin at the moment. Um, could there be a new OEM that comes into the game? Um, original engine manufacturer, I think it is. Um yeah, OEM, you, you guys know, <laughs> you guys know what it means, <clears throat> there's always the miracle of Google, I'm sure that can help you, but yeah, like, does a new OEM come into the game, po- probably not, uh, especially with new regulations for engines for F1 coming in in 2026, so... It's, it's really a tricky one to, to predict and figure out what they're going to do. Like, I remember a few years ago we were talking about, um, like, a, a control engine, like a Cosworth engine or something, Cosworth power unit, which, you know, teams can brand as whichever way they want, you know, whether it's like a Tag Heuer branding that Red Bull did with Renault a couple of years ago or branded as a, as a different manufacturer or whatever. That completely has died off, so... I wonder if that'll come back into contention, but yeah, it's going to be a big one to, to, or it's going to be a big topic to think about over the next um, 18 months, or even just 12 months really, because by this time next year, you want to know who's going to be powering Red Bull in 2022 and beyond, and as well as Alpha Tauri, so it would be disappointing though if it had to be Renault in the end, not that you know, I want to uh, talk smack about Renault, but you would expect that Red Bull would try to reach out for a new manufacturer to come in and start a new partnership with them, start from scratch and see how that goes. And it'd be good just for the sport too as well to to see new partnerships come into the fray. So whether that's something that we're going to see new F1 CEO Stefano Domenicali kind of lobby as well, you know, his links with the Volkswagen Audi group, um, could they strike some kind of deal there? You know, they've always talked about, you know, Porsche or Audi coming into Formula One with a power unit, hybrid power unit. But it's just, it's all in the air at the moment and just everything is on the table. But um, as far as Honda is concerned, yeah, you know, not really a bad thing given that their focus is shifting and everything. And it's quite important as well. And. I was guilty of this a few years ago, not really thinking too much about this and, you know, things like climate change, global warming, the impact of uh, going carbon neutral as well, and being a bit more conscious of it now. You're like, well, you know, this is where motorsport, in particular with the automotive industry, usually are industry leaders you know they are the innovators they're the ones who bring that technology to the road and to the consumer for everyday use so uh f1 has got to be very mindful to what it does for the future um 2026 and beyond whether they want to focus on being purely an entertainment thing i don't think that's what um some people in f1 want you know it's not certainly what i want you know i want 
good entertaining racing, but not necessarily through gimmicks and stuff like that, um, which I'm actually going to talk about in a bit more depth later. But I want good racing, but I also want something that we can all feel good about as far as you know the sustainability side of it is concerned you know with the sport committing itself to going carbon neutral as of 2030 i think it is um it's going to be a bit of a backflip if they decide to abandon that and say oh let's go back to the good old days of the v10s and the v12s and everything you know you still you still hear that thing all the time and it kind of annoys me that well that's not how the world works, I'm afraid. We've got to move on and um, head into a new era. And for F1 to, you know, with the power unit, I keep saying, such a marvel of technology to get to 50% thermal efficiency on those internal combustion engines in only, what are we, on year six of development of those? It's outstanding. And hopefully we get more of that innovation in the future. So... That's that, ultimately, to conclude, disappointing that we lose Honda from F1, but at the same time, it's good on them for moving on to wherever they're going, and just watch this space for, for Red Bull and Alpha Tauri. What's going to happen? I can't really speculate much more than that. <laughs> um, other issues on my mind, I guess, so quickly, I mentioned gimmicks before, and there's been a lot of talk, obviously, after the Italian Grand Prix, and, you know, with Mugello as well, about reverse grids and stuff like that, and how the calendar's going to look, and look, I, uh, I don't think F1 needs gimmicks, I think, you know, Yes, it's exciting to see different names up there winning races and on the podium and shake-ups and all that sort of thing, but I don't think it's necessary, you know, I think the racing is still very exciting, yes, a lot of it has, is in the midfield at the moment, and I think a lot of that can be addressed with the technical regulation update in 22, the cost cap as well, the sliding scale for aer aero development as well, which should help repair a lot of the damage that was done, I guess, you know, a few years ago and unrestricted spending and, you know, Mercedes getting ahead and everything as well. But I agree with uh, McLaren team principal Andreas Seidel, who came out and said that you've got to praise Merck for doing a sensational job. Um, and I 100% agree with that. I've been waxing lyrical about them for the last few years, saying that even between different aero regulations and everything they've still won championships you know it's down to how well that team has operated you know they've had people leave the team they've had new people join the team whether it's drivers whether it's crew members um technical chiefs and all that but they're still doing a sensational job and by comparison ferrari they've got the same resources if not more yet it's about how effectively they use those resources to get the results and i think mercedes even though they don't seem to earn as much as Ferrari do, and possibly even Red Bull when they were winning championships, it's how they put those resources to use that has been great. And yes, we can bang on about how, you know, they're just, it's boring because they're in the lead all the time. It's because they did the hard work to get there. And that's where these other teams have to step it up. And with the 2022 tech regulations coming in with a big change, that's the opportunity for these guys to capitalize and get a bit closer because the regulations will allow for them to be close 
um, and the cost caps as well with how much they can spend on performance and everything. But it's up to then the individual teams to do the to do the work to get the results and everything. So we don't need gimmicks. We don't need reverse grids. We don't need invitational events. Um, what Sido also disagreed with having. But I think with these solid regulations coming in, we should see some good racing in the future. If anything, if you want a shake-up in qualifying and stuff like that, I talked about doing proper top 10 one-lap shootouts um, for certain races, such as Monza, for Monaco maybe, those real hero tracks where you know you want to see the driver working in the car. Mexico maybe might be another one, which is technical, Singapore... Um, to have those one lap shootouts, so you get one lap and that's it, and if you blow it, you blow it, so that could see a bit of a shake up in qualifying if, you know, mistakes are made and stuff like that, but overall, really, no reverse grids, please, no need to spice it up that way, people have got to have faith that these new regulations, even though they might not be the silver bullet, and it might take a few years for things to kind of stabilize with the cost cap and the sliding scale but i feel that in the long term this is going to be a good solution and this year as well you can count it down to or you can trace everything back to the fact that ferrari have gone backwards with their engine and everything with what happened at the end of last year and their car just seems pretty just rubbish in general red bull have a volatile chassis as well it's not really what we expected they've got a good power unit this year it's been reliable but it's on the chassis side that they've failed so when you look at those two as being mercedes main rivals they're the ones who've made mistakes this year and then mercedes themselves saying or toto wolf said earlier in the year that the reason why mercedes went gangbusters over their engine development over the off season was in response to ferrari having such an advantage and even though it was found to be in to have been illegal Mercedes legally were able to get the job done and came out with an even more powerful engine and more efficient power unit this year so that just you got to praise the team for doing that it's not the sports fault it's not um, the regulations fault it's the fact that the other teams are just simply not doing a good enough job and um, I, I know I have to keep repeating myself on this but it's 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 basically the case so i don't know what more to add to that um obviously if you disagree or you want to agree or have any comments about this always get in touch on on twitter we're there hit the apex media um and we can talk about it there but um i'm sure it's pretty clear cut that yeah hopefully 2022 when we get these new cars we see a bit more of an even playing field and see some different winners see some different teams up there getting podiums maybe not fighting for the championship as we've said all along but stealing those odd results from the big teams and from the manufacturers calendar wise as well i know because we haven't um seen the 2021 calendar just yet um we can expect 22 races i'm sure for it but that's not what's really concerning me. It's the the desired 25 races in the future that um, F1 and Liberty Media want. You know, whether Stefano Domenicali, the incoming CEO, is going to stick to that mantra or change it. 
25 just seems a bit too much for me, even if we do the whole quality versus quantity thing. Um, to me, for me, 20 races or, you know, anywhere between 19 and 21 races is ideal. 22 races as well was going to be a stretch this year. I mean, not for just the viewers, but for the teams as well, how many back-to-backs, triple headers they're going to be. It's it's doable, as we've seen, but it's not healthy you know, and um, you don't want people burning out. You think of occupational work, health and safety, things like that. You know, you just don't want to have your workers burn out because of uh, the expectation to do X amount of races. There's that talk about, you know, rotating races every year or venues, I should say, so we can see tracks like Magello, which were really successful this year, feature biennially. Um, once every two years is that what that's what that means um, we've seen it happen before with uh, Hockenheim and the Nürburgring for the German Grand Prix but whether you know they're going to do that in the future be interesting I wouldn't want to see Monza switch with Mugello I think we need Monza Grand Prix every year but if it was another race that they could do it with something like a Spanish Grand Prix if that's even got a future now in the sport then that'd be really good, but 25 races, I know we want to go to different parts of the world, it's exciting and everything, we were supposed to go to Vietnam this year, to the Netherlands as well, back to Zandvoort, um, races like Miami, they're talking about Saudi Arabia as well, it's just, it's great for everyone to go to new markets, but at the same time, got to look at the races we have at the moment, and what um, we could possibly keep or cull and I know it's different difficult with contracts and everything um Australian Grand Prix definitely one that you would keep and quickly while we're on that the bosses of the Grand Prix saying that they're confident that the race will go ahead in March um to, for me at the moment with what's going on here it's really hard to say for sure that that's going to happen you know I was reading something on race fans um where there's a proposed calendar supposedly which puts the Australian Grand Prix you know between the Singapore Grand Prix in Japan next year so that'll be you know kind of September October time later in the year I guess it gives us time here to get on top of COVID and also you know have the possibility of having a a full crowd there because you know if it was to happen in March I'd imagine it'd be a restricted crowd Um, paddock access would be restricted as it is at the moment there and we just saw Turkey you know only a week ago backflip on allowing fans into the into their Grand Prix later this year as well so you know they were expecting I think 100,000 fans or something like that across the whole duration of the event ended up uh, due to the recent spike in COVID over there in Europe. They've had to backflip on that, and I think they're going to refund the tickets. I hope they do. So it's, yeah, you know, you couldn't set up all that infrastructure here at Albert Park to not have any fans at all, you know, for a street race. So I think it would be, you know, it was already a big loss this year with the race being cancelled, no fans being allowed in and everything. So you don't want to go through the same thing two years in a row. And it might not look favourably on them for the future. So, yeah, Melbourne, Albert Park is definitely something I want to keep. Something I would keep, sorry, I should say. I know some people are fairly preserved or have negative opinions about it. They say it doesn't produce enough exciting racing, blah, blah, blah. I think 
it goes beyond that. The spectacle of the Australian Grand Prix is different to, you know, just the race on track. It's all about the fans, you know, what the fan gets going to the race. It's that first day of school vibe that you get from it because it's, you know, the end of summer here. It's, you know, for those Europeans coming out of winter, it's um, a good good thing to have it here in March. So, you know, regardless of whether the track produces much overtaking, much excitement and whatnot, I think it's it's it goes beyond that. So it'd be good to see them stay. But, yeah, ultimately 25 races is not something I agree with. I think we can cut it down to 22 and maybe that's a project for me to work on over the next week or something or maybe for the end of the year where I give you 22 of my not favourite races, I'm going to say my ideal 22 race calendar including venues that we haven't seen or are due to feature on the F1 calendar because I know they want to go to, as I said, Saudi Arabia, South Africa even, uh, another race in America. I know Indianapolis Motor Speedway has been talked about returning to the GP circuit there. They had the um, IMSA, the IndyCar, sorry, not IMSA, they had IndyCar, NASCAR there over the weekend. They had the Indianapolis 8-hour as well, um, the Intercontinental GT Challenge event, which BMW won. Um, I was able to watch the last hour on my commute to work on a Monday morning. So, yeah, you know, with Roger Penske as the boss of IMS now, I think it'd be interesting if they do open it up for F1 to make a return, especially with Circuit of the Americas, kind of their future looking a bit bleak at the moment. So, yeah, maybe that's something I work on. 22 races that I would like to see on an ideal F1 calendar. It's not going to be a dream calendar because then I would toss away so many races there. You know, as much as Baku's great, I probably wouldn't have Baku. Singapore, gone. Um, It would just be my favourite tracks, basically. So, you know, I'm not going to put Rainbow Road on it. Um, I actually don't like Rainbow Road very much. It just reminds me of every time I used to get... uh, beaten on there (laughs) playing with an old friend on on the Wii so it's yeah no rainbow road for me but yeah I'd probably have things like Mugello and you know I'd I'd choose from grade one certified FIA tracks so I wouldn't go Mount Panorama, Phillip Island Grand Prix circuit which are a couple of my favorites there Um, I know there's been a bit of bluster as well about uh, the Bend Motorsport Park and the owners uh, apparently saying that, oh yeah, we can host the Grand Prix at the Bend next year if Melbourne doesn't have it, and Melbourne are like, yeah, no, sorry, that's not going to happen, um, so, and yeah, the Bend is not even up to grade one either, so they'd have to do a lot of work to get some gravel traps and runoff installed at that track for them to do it, I mean, it's a great facility and everything, and it was great having supercars there for the last few years, they had the um, Asian Le Mans series race at the start of the year too it's great to go when you visit but um yeah you know it would take a lot of work for them to get f1 ready and i think f1 in australia you you need a street track you need you know your city city track like albert park or even the adelaide parklands so yeah you could forget about the bend bend i would like to see other things like you know world endurance championship for example that would be really good there even MotoGP potentially if um, Phillip Island end up losing the contract, which I hope doesn't happen. <laughs> so that's pretty much it really. Like I just had these thoughts on my mind. I know they might not be as cohesive as and structured as an argument or anything, but it's just what I've been thinking about for the last month or two. And to finally 
talk about it as well and say, look, you know, I don't agree with reverse grids. I don't think F1 needs gimmicks. I think we can achieve good racing with the regulations that are incoming. And again, just this thing that I keep saying ad nauseum that F1 has the hard job at the moment of trying to fix all this stuff that happened before Liberty Media came in, you know, and this new Concord agreement, I think, will be the start of that new era for them, you know, they've got the cost cap in place, the sport is so much more appealing um, on social media and using all these different platforms to engage fans now that in the future it's going to be so much better, you know, so I think we should just leave this debate to one side and move on, and also with the calendar too, 25 too much so we'll just leave it at that and move on so let's talk about not the german grand prix it's called the eiffel grand prix um i guess it's another regional name where the um, nurburgring circuit is located but yeah returning to the ring for the first time since 2013 and i guess we can thank uh the old sharona virus for that one um and Nürburgring is a circuit that I've, you know, got a bit of a love-hate relationship with. You know, I love watching the racing there. Um, the GP circuit is fantastic. But every time I try to play it on a video game, and this includes the uh, Norge Life circuit, I absolutely hate it because I just don't get it. The GP circuit is fine. I don't mind it. But Norge Life is just an absolute pain in the backside. So, but we're not racing at Norge Life for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, but, um we're at the GP track, and it's a neat little circuit that, um, of the current drivers, we've got two that have won races here, Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel, and I think I've just fudged that up. No, I haven't fudged it up. I thought I left Kimi Raikkonen off that list, but, um, Kimi's never won a race in Germany, um, and congratulations to him this weekend, even though he doesn't give a hoot, that he will break Rubens Barrichello's record of... 322 race starts Kimi's going to make his 323rd start so I don't think in the Alfa Romeo he's going to actually uh, win the race or get on the podium or who knows he might because we've got such crazy weather expected it's going to be cold it's going to be wet a high of eight degrees celsius for the race so could we have a repeat of last year where it was just absolute and all sorts of carnage, or is it going to bring back memories of 2007 and that wet race? Yeah, I remember that one. Um, one of the few races that I watched that year when I wasn't, um, you know, watching F1 full time or couldn't, you know, because it was too late at night. Um, seeing Jensen Button, Hamilton, Rosberg, Tony Liuzzi, all of them go into the wall when the rain came down, and then you had Marcus Winkelhock on debut, and you know, Marcus Winkelhock, I know him more so for GT racing in the Audi, seen him at the Bathurst 12 hour a couple of times, he was on F1, on his F1 debut for Spiker, formerly, um, which is the former Force India um, Racing Point team, ended up leading the race, you know, they timed their pit stop very well, came in for the wet tires or intermediate tires and led the race on debut in a spiker which you know not many people would have said at the time and it was just unfortunate that he ended up um not finishing the race thanks to a hydraulics failure but the the boy was still pretty happy that uh, he was able to lead for as long as he did and then as I said, those big names, you know, the Jensen Button, Jensen Button in the Honda at the time, Hamilton for, for McLaren, Rosberg 
in the Williams. They're all going off and um, into the wall. So not a good result for those guys. But yeah, you know, it's it's a one. It's a race you can look back fondly on. And for Kimi, going back to him, sorry, I forgot what year it was exactly, but the year that he was leading might have even been 2005. We was leading. He was guaranteed to win. And then just has the tire blowout at the end of the race, you know, that really put a dent in his championship uh, challenge that year. So a lot of good memories from the Nürburgring, even 2013, the last time that we actually raced there and Sebastian Vettel won. At the time, I was kind of annoyed at the end of the race because like, oh, Vettel's won again. And he had beaten Kimi and uh, Roman Grosjean both in the Lotus cars but it was such a good cat and mouse game between Vettel and Raikkonen as it had been in quite a few races that year where you know Raikkonen just I guess not being bold enough to try and make a, a move on Vettel and Vettel ended up holding him to to win the race so you know I don't think Sebastian Vettel either is going to have a chance to win this weekend but um you know, he's already won his home Grand Prix, he's won at the Nürburgring before, back at Red Bull, so I'm hoping that we can have some more memories created, because who knows if we're going to see the Nürburgring on the calendar in the near future, hopefully we do, if not then let's enjoy this one and move on. Um, as far as the race and everything is concerned and what to expect over the weekend, it's hard to go past Mercedes, as always, you know, they seem to dial themselves in really well to a new track, but the conditions, I think, will really play into what's going to happen, you know, Hamilton didn't get the 91 wins last time in Russia, I guess the Netflix curse, as I said, came back to haunt them, but this time, it's possible, he's a very good wet weather driver, you got Max Verstappen as well, who in the wet is sensational, and we saw him win at Hockenheim last year in the wet, so could the conditions put him into the hunt as well, and Honda with Red Bull will be looking to get as much wins and good results as possible before they end their relationship at the end of next year, Ferrari bringing some more updates this weekend too, will that be enough to put them in the battle for P3 in the Constructors' Championship, because the likes of McLaren, Racing Point, Renault are all moving a bit away and for those guys too you know this weekend could be one of those decisive weekends where if they all hit trouble if they all hit problems then you know it's uh, about survival of the fittest and you know they all want to get the points get as much points as they can they want to avoid double dnfs or non non-point scoring races that we saw for mclaren last time and renault have just been on such an upward trajectory that you know you have to factor in Daniel Ricciardo for a podium every weekend as well so that's going to be interesting to see and keep an eye on over the weekend racing point as well you know as I said previously they were spiker and at this track they have led a Grand Prix so there's a possibility for them to get another podium this season so all very much in the open all very exciting and I don't want to predict too much because I'm going to be in for a bit of a surprise and I hope everyone else is too hard not to be excited about this sort of stuff and also as I said um, last week we've got a couple of F2 races um, not races there's no F2 on this weekend but a couple of F2 drivers making their FP1 debuts this weekend too so you've got Calamilo Calamilot in the Haas this weekend and where better to make his F1 FP1 debut 
than on home soil, a circuit that his father had so much success at, young Mick Schumacher making his debut for Alfa Romeo in FP1. So again, you know, I don't want to build up too much hype around young Mick and use his surname and everything, but I guess just the the poeticism of that, you know, making his debut um, in FP1 uh, at a track where his father had a lot of success at too is going to be quite touching and really you know as I said as well last week that I feel a lot more confident about Mick making his debut in F1 next year especially if he can win that F2 championship this year too um, there'll be it'll be hard to look past him for an Alfa Romeo seat so yeah exciting weekend coming um, no supercars of course got uh That'll be next weekend at the Bathurst 1000, and I'm sure next week's podcast is going to be all about the Bathurst 1000 and then looking back at this Eiffel Grand Prix as well. So I'll leave it at that then. Uh, go give the old vocal cords a bit of a rest. Um, as I said before, look us up on Twitter at Hit the Apex Media. Hope you guys have a good weekend. Avoid St Kilda Beach and Chadston Shopping Centre, or just avoid going out in general to big crowded places. It's not good for you. take it easy guys stay safe enjoy and um, i'll be back next week ciao